actually don't spend a lot of time investing in accumulating knowledge of pop culture or events. And instead, I'm just really focused on the things that I want to build. Episode 54, February 2015. This is part two of my Q&A with Brandon Mathis, creator of Octopress. What are you famous or infamous for? I don't know how famous I am. Um, I guess everybody's a little bit famous now that they can self-publish. But I'm most well known for my work on Octopress, for sure. What's the thing your friends are teasing you with? Being particular and not uh, being good at pop culture references. So I have a very specific way that I like to make coffee and the type of beans that I like to get from which roaster and all these sorts of things that I like just so. And uh, people like to heckle me about that. But then also, frequently, people will make a reference to some rap lyric or something that I've never heard of or be amazed that I've never heard of some athlete that is quite famous. And so I get heckled about that, too. I definitely don't let it get to me. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to have people enjoy things at my expense. Uh, it, I think there's a, especially with the sports and pop culture stuff, I hardly ever watch television, mostly uh, if I, you know, I don't have a cable package or anything like that at home. And so if I want to see something, I watch it myself. I don't like to watch stuff alone. So I watch stuff with my wife and she doesn't like to watch some of the kinds of things that I do. And so I just don't, don't end up watching them. And so I actually don't spend a lot of time investing in accumulating knowledge of pop culture or events. And instead I'm just really focused on the things that I want to build. You know, when I was uh, growing up in, in Alabama, we did not have, uh, we never bought cable at my parents' house. We never had lots of channels to choose from until I went off to college. And then when I came home, all of a sudden there's all these channels they subscribed for. And I did never, I never got a package at, at college. And since then I never have. And so I've pretty much um, missed out on a great portion of that, <laughs> of, of all of the events of the world that have happened in all of that. So that's, that's totally fine with me though. I'm, I think it's, I think it's great to be able to choose. This is what I want my life story to be about. This is, this is what I care about and avoid all that other stuff. Um, favorite foods. Uh, my wife is an amazing cook. She really is. She does, she does some fantastic desserts and she does some, just all the dishes she makes are really good. I would probably say I really like chicken curry. She does this chicken curry where we have uh, all kinds of fruits and vegetables in there, and it's like the freshest, most delicious thing. It's interesting that nobody said barbecue so far. <laughs> no one is. Well, we have amazing barbecue in the South, I will say. there is. If, if anybody is ever in Birmingham, check out Saw's Barbecue. Oh, it's so good. How did you improve as a designer and as a developer? I'm going to probably steal an answer from John Syracuse here, where he said uh, what makes like what made him good at art was being able to look at what he had just done and figure out what was wrong with it. And I think that's a lot of, um, a lot of what makes design work is being able to just do something and look at it and say, well, what's wrong with this? And then figure out how to change that in an iterative process. Um, being able to decide why something is bad is a combination of an internal design sense that is developed by caring about design throughout your life and also being exposed to really good design. And so being able to compare one thing to another and say, why is this terrible or what is wrong with this on a very small level? If someone can do that, I think that they have a really good design sense that they can continue to hone and be great at design. Are you a fan of standing desks? I am standing right now and I have been standing for four years, probably. Uh, maybe more than that. Uh, 
this, I'm actually at my brother-in-law's house um, right now where I'm going to be for a month or so. And um, we're in Wisconsin. He has, uh, he has no desk or chair or anything like that. And so uh, when I was visiting a couple of summers ago, my father-in-law built a, uh, a little short table that can sit on top of another table. And the legs can screw off so I can travel with it. So I actually have a traveling standing desk attachment that I bring with me if I go places for a long period of time. And I, d- I don't have a... Actually, I have a... Uh, at home, I have a... What is it? Fancy Harmon... No, uh, one of those chairs. The Aeron chair. I have an Aeron chair at home that I never sit in. It's actually in our basement, in our uh, room of terror. The uh, room where we put all the things we don't know what to do with yet before we organize them. And so I've been sat in that thing for years and it's been great. Uh, One of the things I will say is great about standing is uh, when I start to feel tired of standing, I will go sit down somewhere that is comfortable to sit in. And I feel like I actually get good rest and it moves me away from my computer so that I have that, like we were talking about earlier, that time to think, um, to separate myself from the screen and, you know, focus my eyes at a greater distance. And uh, if I have a chair, then I never really get tired. So I don't experience that as much. It's also really easy if I'm thirsty to just go get a drink of water because I'm already standing. Those kinds of things are great. I think the secret for me is to kind of switch. Yeah, switching is great. I I tend not to like to work sitting down. Um, maybe it's because I like to dance while I'm listening to music while I'm typing. I'm, I'm Actually, one of the things I want to get for myself um, someday soon is a walking, uh, as a basically build a walking desk. You can buy these really nice treadmills that are low profile that fit under a desk. So that's the next uh, step of evolution for my standing obsession. What books have you been reading lately? Let's see, I've been doing a fair bit with audiobooks, but uh, I'm actually reading through the uh, Chronicles of Narnia with my son, which is really fun. Yeah, he he just, uh, he's five and he, lo- it's, it's one of those interesting things though, because it's written it for a 1950s British audience. And so I'm reading through it with him and, and having to explain not only the cultural differences, but also the, yeah, so, so they'll say things that they'll be appealing to kids who know what it's like to go to a boarding school in England. And I have to say, okay, let me unpack, you know, he's five. So there's so many things about the world he doesn't even understand yet, let alone about the 1950s and British culture. So it's actually kind of we have a lot of fun discussions about that sort of thing. Do we have a secret to decompress? I think there's nothing like playing with my kids to help me relax and and decompress. It completely takes my mind out of it. It's very physical, uh, at least the way we play. Uh, and or you know, if it's with my son, he's a he's a real thinker. So we like to play board games together. Um, there's this really anybody who has kids. There's a great game called King of Tokyo. Um, if you have a a child that can follow rules and think through things. Um, it's super fun. You get to play monsters who are attacking Tokyo and uh, you have these power-ups you develop along the way. And anybody, you can play like from two to six people and it's uh, it's really fun. So like playing games with them, it's, it's a good time. So what are you doing in your spare time besides um, taking care of your kids and technology stuff? I like to do photography, uh, which is mostly, especially when I'm up in Wisconsin because it's so beautiful here. Yesterday we had a giant storm wall come through and I posted some stuff to Instagram from that. But um, yeah, mostly that, uh, reading, listening to podcasts. And uh, that's that's about it. I spend uh, several hours a night on Octopress most of the time. What are your favorite cities or places? My favorite place in the world is a small lake in 
northern Wisconsin. It's about three hours from where I am right now. It's called Butternut Lake. And my grandparents have had a lake house there for 30-some years. And I've gone up there every single summer. It is in the Nicolay National Forest. And there's hardly anyone living on the lake. And it is spring-fed, has a rock bottom. It's extremely clean. And it's very cold. But it's great for fishing. It's great for playing outside. It has beautiful forests with walking trails. It's my ideal place to be. So that's it. Who do you look up to in your profession? Wow. Uh, I I really wish I knew more people. Um, I'm not really good at uh, figuring out how to meet people on social media. I think people know who I am. I don't know who they are. Um, I I like, you know, I follow, you know, Chris Coyer is a cool guy. I like seeing what he puts out. He's, uh, he writes CSSTricks.com and uh, he's just a generally nice dude. So I think he's pretty cool. Uh, most of the people that I look up to are people that other people haven't met. I worked with a guy named Adam Williams and he's uh, just a fantastic developer. And he's one of the reasons that I'm as proficient in uh, non front end, but like sort of the back end Ruby stuff as I am, because he helped shape me and mentor me and encourage me to try things and think different ways. As a designer developer unicorn, what do you like about working with code and design? One of the things, uh, that I have really enjoyed about being able to do development and design is that I'm able to build a lot of things from start to finish and release stuff. The, the one, there are certain, you know, like I can't really do infrastructure. Um, I don't know how to mess with chef or provision servers or things like that. And so the, the place where I work compose, you know, we're a database hosting company. And so um, before that I had done, Rails development where a couple of developers can do all kinds of stuff. But at a, if you're hosting databases for people, the stack goes so much deeper. And so <laughs> I actually moved to a place where I can accomplish a lot on the front end, but um, you know, on the back end, triggering all these scripts to happen when users click a button, it goes so much deeper than I can go. But when I'm working on my own, being able to dig into Ruby and, uh, affect things at a deeper level allows me to really conceive of a product and develop it all the way through. And there's, it's just really enjoyable to understand at all levels what's going on and be able to think of something that I want for the user to experience and make sure that it happens. Mm -hmm.